from 2 Peter 1, verses 3 to 11. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Um, uh, take your time. There's a month at least until I'm going on holiday. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fantastic. Good to see you all. Uh, it's nice to be here. Um, it feels like no more than a day since I was standing up at the front here uh, before. Oh, it was, yes, absolutely. So um, it's the start, and I think you're probably picking this up, that September kind of is the, the start of our sort of church year. It's the start of the school year, and it, it is. And we are just about to start a series running up to Christmas, which is about godly character. And so all really I want to do this morning is just to introduce this uh, as a concept, as, a, as an idea, as a part of Christian living, godly character. And the Bible talks about godly character, as we were hearing from uh, Peter, uh, quite regularly as being very important. P Paul talks about, in Titus, about good character being a requirement for church leadership. Uh, and that's a challenge on anybody who takes on leadership in a church, is what is your character and how is it being uh, presented? Noble character was how uh, a group of people called the Bereans were described in the book of Acts because they behaved in a way that gave Scripture the authority in their lives, and that was seen as having noble character. Paul warns the opposite. Bad company corrupts good character. Uh, and um, any of us who've ever been youthful um, have probably discovered that on occasions, and some people who are not so, use, so youthful uh, perhaps are still to learn that, that uh, we are heavily influenced by the company we keep. And one of the things that we try and do in this church is point out that we also keep company with television, and that we keep company with social media, and that we keep company with those kinds of things as well. And bad company corrupts good character. 
We must think about the company that we keep. Now, that's not to say that we should somehow be monastic and shut ourselves off from the world, but that we have to be careful about how we are influenced in the company in which we're in. And that's an interesting thing. The Apostle John talks about the opposite. He talks about a man called Demetrius, and he talks about how he's a good character, and he's encouraging the church to be influenced by somebody of good character. So character is very important. And what is this character thing that we talk about? And character is an interesting word, really, because it's, it's a collective word. It's not a single word. It's a, a word that has a range of attributes to it. And so we're going to spend some time in this church uh, over the Sundays running up to Christmas looking at the various aspects that the Bible talks about that make up godly character. And the challenge will be for all of us to try and grow in this. But we think about the, how important character is to God. Character really matters to God. It matters centrally. It is God's desire when people become disciples of Jesus that they grow to become like the character of Jesus. That's his plan. That's his aim. That's what we are called to be. And there's an opposite. So Jesus talks about Satan. And he says to a certain group of people, because he didn't mince his words, he said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him when he lies. He speaks his native language. He is the liar and the father of liars. And when Jesus used the word, he is, his nature is to lie. The word in the Bible means his character is to lie. His character is corrupted. And he's talking about people following the influence in the world. Satan is influencing people according to his character. Remember, bad company corrupts good character. And now those characteristics are there. Murderous, lying, deceit. Jesus offers the opposite. He says, come to me. I'm if you're weary and you're burdened, come to me, take my yoke on me, because I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest. We talk about the character of God and the opposite of the character of God, and it's quite challenging, really. So we know that the character of God is good. The character of God is good. The character of God is perfect. We know that our nature or our character isn't. We're not. We have a sinful nature. The Bible talks about our nature, our character. We're, we're objects of wrath. We're, we're frankly irritating to God. I, I don't know if you know anybody whose character irritates you. You're probably very patient and um, gentle. But I, 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 I know people, and, and they express themselves in their natural way, uh, and it frankly rubs the skin off me when they do it. Uh, they're just being themselves, 
uh, and it's testing. Is that the word? Now, far be it for me to say that because, of course, I never irritate anybody ever. (laughs) And my character is so smooth and flawless that nobody ever gets any friction from me. Of course, we know that, you know. Jesus says this about us, that it's hidden in us. Who our character is, is in us, and it comes out. And it comes out whether we like it or not. That's one of the really unfortunate things about character, is you try and cover it up, but you can't. You know, you think you can, but you can't. And uh, I, I, I don't know if, if you've um, ever been in, in a, a, a family or a close team for any length of time. After a while, what's really in there comes out, whether you like it or not. And we get to see it. Jesus said this. He said the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart, come from their heart. And that's the things that make them defiled. So Jesus Jesus was saying to people, it doesn't matter what you put in your mouth, because what you put in your mouth just passes back out the body and it's gone. But what comes out your mouth shows what's inside. And after a while, if you live in close proximity with people, no matter how hard you try to cover up, eventually out it comes and people get to have a good look at what's going on in you. Yeah, what can I say? And and Jesus gives some examples. He says, you know, what's inside people are their thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. So these are the things that spoil our character. These are the things that spoil us, what's inside. And we all know what's in our heart. I don't know what's in your heart. Occasionally, you give everybody clues about what's in your heart. Sometimes you mean it, sometimes you don't. Occasionally, I do too. But I know what's in my heart. And and quite often, that's an uncomfortable viewing. Um, And the temptation is always not to do that, or the temptation is to come up with some quick justification. You know that yeah but thing that people do, you know? So, well, I did do that, but they annoyed me. I did say that, but look what they did to, you know, sort of wind me up so that I would. But the bottom line is that whether I got wound up or not, it's in there. It's in there in my character. So that's our starting point, is that God has a perfect character, and His plan is that our character should reflect His through Jesus. But our starting point is quite a long way behind the curve. We don't, you know, you know that, I, I, was, I was talking to Al, who's, who's here today, it's great, and I was sort of talking about a particular situation. And there's an old joke about somebody uh, who's driving in Ireland, and, and they, they get a bit lost, and they stop, and they wind down the window, and they, they ask just this local bloke, and they say, uh, can you tell us how to get to such and such? And he says, well, if I was going there, I wouldn't start from here. <laughs> and, uh, and, 
And there's an element of that, isn't there? Is if we're aiming at a perfect character, frankly, I wouldn't start from here. You know, a bit behind the curve. But there it is. But this is, this is the reality, is that God saves us through Jesus so that we grow in character. So that we grow in character. That's the plan. And the mechanics of building godly character go like this. So here's, here, here's the textbook. Do you, have you, anybody studied, you know when you read textbooks? You know, you, you know when you read textbooks which explain to you how to do things? I, I get this. I, they explain how to do things, but actually your experience of doing it is so limited that most of the textbook doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Have you, have you had that experience? Do you know what I mean? This is how to disarm a nuclear bomb. And all, everything you need is in here. Well, it sort of is, except I don't actually know what a nuclear bomb looks like, so explaining how it works is difficult. And that's kind of our starting point often with a manual. But the mechanics work like this. We confess our sin to Jesus, our inadequacy to Jesus, because he has the authority to restore us through his death and resurrection. We commit ourselves to becoming his disciple, and Jesus enters through his Holy Spirit, and we become spiritually alive. And it's that spiritual life that gives us the, the capacity to grow godly character. So the starting point is the presence of the Holy Spirit. However, then we have to choose to submit to what Jesus commands. Not the easy. So we have to humble ourselves and learn. Disciples are like that. Do you know, there's always that thing that it's very difficult to, to learn if you already believe that you know everything. Have you discovered this? Now, there are certain mechanics. I, I just want to speak up in the defense of teenagers for a second, if I, if I can. Okay, so here's the thing. Teenagers actually do get to a stage where they do genuinely know everything. Now, I'm not being sarcastic. They really do, and this is why. Because when we start as children, we start viewing the world completely in our own context. We call that egocentric. And that's how children operate. It's a survival mechanism. It's normal, and it's a good thing in its place. And eventually, that learning peaks to the point where you have worked out absolutely everything in the context of you. Only then does the sad and unfortunate truth dawn that the universe doesn't revolve around you, and therefore, although you've worked everything out, the context in which you've worked it out isn't the correct one. Initially, this causes a shock because, of course, what you then work out is that everybody else in the world is completely mistaken about the context in which they are thinking because, of course, the context is you. And after a while, you work out that that's not the case and that you've made the mistake and, in fact, the world is big and confusing and none of it. But we get there. It's, Mark Twain said it very nicely this day. He said, when I was 17, I was appalled and disgusted at how 
utterly ignorant and unaware my father was of anything in the world at all. When I was 21, I found myself amazed and pleasantly surprised at how much he'd learned in such a short space of time. <laughs> Absolutely. What can I say? The context is all important. And Jesus is the context. We have to humble ourselves and learn. And that's not easy. So we're going to start at that very beginning point. I'm going to give you three brief very brief guidings in terms of building God, a godly character. And here's the first one. Building godly character, if we are a Christian, building godly character is our work. It's our work to do that. So when the Bible says, and Peter's a good example, when the Bible gives us a clue. So Peter says, make every effort. Now, there's lots of phrases like this, particularly the New Testament, but make any effort. Strive, work to, study to, make sure that you. All of those things tell us that it's our job. It's our job to do it. We don't sit around passively while God does it. We are told that we are to do it. It says, build on your faith, make every effort to build on your faith. That means it's your job and my job, not God's job. He's doing His job. So let's talk about this so that we look at it. So we talk about building character, and the Bible talks about it. Jesus particularly mentions it as fruit. So we need to divide up what God gives us and what we have to work at. So the gifts are what God gives us. The fruit is what we do with them. Does that make sense? So God gives us the capacity and then we have to put in the effort. I'll give you some. So the Holy Spirit is in us now, joining us in Jesus, so we can see what a godly way to grow and behave. And he reminds us when we go off course. That's his work. God has given us through Jesus every spiritual blessing, through faith and grace, so that we can resist all the schemes of the devil. That's God's work. God has given us supernatural gifts. Do you know what your gifts are? If not, let us pray with you that God might reveal them. But God has given us supernatural gifts which enable us to serve beyond our natural capacity and give us opportunities to use them as well. That's God's work. Jesus has made himself available to us He'll guide us, uphold us, reveal himself to us, heal us, comfort us, restore us, energize us in all sorts of remarkable ways. And he'll do that 24-7, 365. That's his work. God's provided the Bible so that we can know and understand ourselves, other people, God's nature, his plans. He's revealed all we need to know and understand and it's not just in general terms. He will reveal on a daily basis what we need to understand from Scripture just for us personally. Every day, that's God's work. All of this is God's work. So we can trust God to do everything that God's going to do all the time. We don't have to worry about any of that. God does all of that. Now our work is this. 
We have no control over what other people do, but we do have control over how we respond to it. That's our work. We have no control over the values that the world sets, but we do have control over what we value. That's our work. We have no control over what the future holds, but we do have control over how we conduct ourselves with each unexpected twist and turn. That's our work. We control our time, we control our priorities, our actions, our words, and our choices. We control how much we avail ourselves of God's resources. We control how much we give and how much we hold back. We control how much effort we put into learning about Jesus. So doing is not the character. It's the attitude behind the doing that is the character. And that is our job. That's our work. Jesus said, from the heart comes. Now remember, gifts are not fruit. There are lots of people with remarkable spiritual gifts who don't show an awful lot of good character. Praise God, we have a lot of examples out there of people with remarkable spiritual gifts who do show. But gifts does not equal character. Jesus said this, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And he gives examples. He says, they will say, but Lord, we prophesied. Lord, we threw out demons. Lord, we did miracles. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, but I don't know you. Jesus does not recognize his own on the basis of gifts, but on the basis of character. Jesus says, a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. Does that make sense? It's the character. There's a challenge. What's from the heart Sometimes we need to discipline our actions. Paul says your attitude should be like Christ Jesus. It's our work. God gives us everything we need to do the job, but we have to do the job. Does that make sense? And one of the things we're going to do all this, this uh, series is look at what those characteristics are. Now, People are going to put in a bit of effort, I'm glad to say, and work quite hard on that. But at the end of the day, that that grows in you and I won't be either accidental or because we are passive. That those characteristics grow in you and I is because we put in the effort to see them grow. Does that make sense? Good. Now, number two, and we're being quick Building godly character, apart from being our work, building godly character is part of our worship. So if we are worshiping God, part of that is growing. This is what Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies 
as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What we give to God is our worship. What we hold back from God is for someone else. We've said it before. You've got to serve somebody. So, we're encouraged in the Bible. We're encouraged to praise God with our mouths. We're encouraged to acknowledge Jesus to other people. We're encouraged to encourage and build up other people. We're encouraged to use our gifts, our spiritual gifts. Don't think that I'm saying that spiritual gifts are not important. They're vital, but they're not character. What we do with them is important. We're encouraged to apply ourselves properly to everything we do, to our job, to our employers, to our families, to our responsibilities. We're encouraged to be respectful to those in authority. We're encouraged to remember the poor. We're encouraged to be self-controlled. We're encouraged to be hospitable. These are parts of our… all these and many, many more. This is worship. All of this is worship. When we serve in the church in whatever form, from the, the hospitality that we provide with teas and coffees and uh, meals to the flowers to the fact that this place is clean and tidy, to that it's open and that people can come and use the place. All of this is worship. It requires discipline and it requires commitment. And that is part of our worship. We worship in spirit and we worship in truth. The more we do this, the more we grow. So the more we do this, the more we grow. The less we do this, the less we grow. Think of it like physical training. The more you run, the fitter you get. The less you run, the fatter you get. You know, the more you study, the easier the exam. It, it, I know it's not rocket science. It's not really supposed to be. But it is understanding that it is our work, but when we go about spiritual work, we are worshiping. Whatever your spiritual service, God receives it as worship. And that's a fantastic thing. Why did Cain not have his sacrifice accepted? And why did Abel have his accepted? It worked like this. Because Cain did it for Cain, and Abel did it for God. And so it works. Does that make sense? That's actually part of our character. Finally, one last thing. Building godly character is our witness. Don't think that people don't notice. We're in, we're in, we're told we're in a postmodern era. And one of the things most valued in a postmodern era, we're told, is this authenticity. People want to know if we are real. There's a lot of fake out there. You know what I mean? So, what can I say when the face falls? You know? When the temper flares, when the finger comes out the window of the car, you know, it tells about our character, doesn't it? it, it people notice. People always notice. And it matters. And we could say, well, you know, let's talk about how 
An absence of character spoils witness, but I don't want to do that because it's the opposite is the incentive. There are many, many, many millions of people who have become Christians because the godly character of the Christians they encountered stood out in an otherwise cynical and flawed environment. We can make a difference witnessing for Jesus because our character resembles Jesus and there is nothing out there that looks like Jesus. There is nothing out there that looks like He is as radical today as He ever was. And the more our character resembles Him, the more we are standout people. And we need to be standout. We're not just individuals, we need to stand out family. We need to be a standout church. We need to be a standout Christian community because people are watching. And if what they see is the character of Jesus, they will want that as much as we want that because there's nothing else. And really, I think, in all human beings, we know there's nothing else. So there's our challenge. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at growing character. And it's going to be exciting. Godly character referred to in the Bible as fruit. We want to be fruitful people. We can do all sorts of things. We can explain, we can expound, we can encourage. But the one whose job it is to grow Christian character in the Christian is the Christian. I, the best I can do is work on me. Frankly, I've got my hands full. The only person who can work on you is you. You ever encounter somebody who's trying to get you to do something you don't want to do? What does that do in you? Does it make you feel cooperative? No. The only person who can make you work on you is you. That's it. Everything else we resist. So who builds godly character in you? You do. Who enables you to build godly character? God does. We're not on your own. But it's you and me. We are disciplined to do this. We need to work on it day and day. Pleasing God is our work. Building this character is our worship. And having that character, that's our witness in the whole community. If you haven't met Jesus yet, if that opportunity is not there, if you are struggling with something, if you are fighting with an area of character, if you don't know where to start, if there's something that needs to take you on that journey, then don't leave today without receiving prayer because everything you need to grow, to be like Jesus, is already provided in Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at. Up to Christmas, we are going to be looking at godly character. It's going to be a challenge. I know some of the subjects. I'm contemplating absence. <laughs> <laughs> you know that? Do you ever like, when you're a kid, where you've got, your parents got that look on their face? And because you're a teenager and you've worked it out, you go, I know what you're going to say. I'm a bit like that already, which is bad because I wrote the list. <laughs> but yes, yeah, godly, growing godly character is a challenge, but we've got to face up to it. Let's grow. Let's really give our hearts to Jesus and be inspired to build ourselves as a church of character 
that represents Jesus encouraging one another and witnessing outside. Let's bless God. Lord Jesus, we just are so challenged. Well, I'm really challenged. I look at my character and I know, I know what squeezes out through the gaps when I'm under pressure. Lord, and I want to repent of that and I want to say I want to grow to be more like you, Jesus. I want to know your word. I want to know your commands and I want to see it building itself in reality in my spirit so that out of my mouth and out of my actions comes character that reveals Jesus. Lord, just really give me uh, and give all of us, Lord, the energy and the hunger to be more like you in our character. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.